the end of the ellen show instagram's new pronoun feature a breakdown of the brits and how young internet stars are being heralded as role models we're maggie and jasmine and you're listening to culture club our weekly chat about pop culture current affairs the internet and our lives we acknowledge that the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people are the traditional custodians of the land upon which we live, work and record this podcast. We would like to pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Good morning, Jazz. You've got your tea or coffee in front of you. I have a black coffee in front of me. Mm-hmm. We're recording very early this week, which is a change. So hopefully our morning voices aren't too deep <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> but we've got coffee. Do you have a tea? Well, it's funny. I'm just drinking hot water. <laughs> oh, so there's That's that. good for the voice. Good for the voice. It's very true. But we've got a jam-packed episode in front of us. Yes, I think we should just get straight into it. Mm -hmm. But before we do, we have some exciting news. This episode of Culture Club is sponsored by Scarlet, an Australian period care brand aiming to make our cycles more sustainable and redefine the period experience. Thanks, Scarlet, for sponsoring our episode. What's your fun fact? Oh, yeah. So in our notes, I just wrote fun fact because I didn't want to spoil it. Mm -hmm. I was reading, um, I think I was just reading the news and it came up and I found out that in 1969, this woman named Judith Love Cohen helped with the abort guidance system, which rescued the Apollo 13 astronauts in the U.S., and she was working right up until she was in labor. Um, mm. She brought her work into the labor ward and everything. It was a really passionate aerospace engineer. And on the day that she helped them out, she gave birth to the comedian Jack Black. What? So random, but like what a boss. And oh. I love that it's Jack Black's mom. <laughs> that is so wild. What a cool story as well. What a badass woman. I, I love that. That is a good fun fact. Yeah. Like, what a talented family. And I've seen a lot of think pieces around the internet or on Twitter, at least lately, talking about how Jack Black is, like, actually incredibly sexy because of his confidence and, like, he just doesn't Mm. care, like, what anyone thinks of him. So he's kind of already been in the zeitgeist, I guess. And then I saw that fun fact and I was like, that's so cool. Like, you know, especially in the 60s when women working, it was still quite taboo and everything, like, to be working right up until you're having – Jack Black is quite wild. That is so cool. When you started that story, I had no idea where that was going. I was like, cool, history, space, science, history, <laughs> all that. And then it ended with Jack Black. So I can't complain. <laughs> I love that. In other news, okay, there have been some celebrity couples that everyone has been talking about this week. We're actually not talking about many of them. So, you know, like J-Lo, blah, blah. Um mm-hmm. Can't think of any others, but also Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker have just been everywhere for the last few weeks. Their energy is so wild. It's like, um, and you know, they're always with Megan Fox and 
<laughs> um, machine gun Kelly. Yes, that's it. The other tattoo guy. Um, but you pulled out the funniest randomest story this week about them. Yeah. So another random story I came across. So if you haven't seen Courtney and Travis have been all over Instagram, very PDA heavy. There was a video that Travis posted of like Courtney sucking his thumb and like looking up at him and it was like very horny and the pedestrian article I saw is just when it couldn't get hornier Travis Barker now has a goop candle of Courtney's orgasm like excuse me girl boss (laughs) it says the cursed candle was brought to my attention when Travis posted on his Instagram story maybe Courtney got it made for Travis we don't know but it looks like an actual partnership that's what you can do when you're a Kardashian, you can just go to Gwyneth Paltrow and be like, I want a candle for my partner of my orgasm. This is um, the follow-up to Goop's infamous vagina candle. So it's not like that out of the park for Goop, but mm-hmm. maybe it is for Courtney and for Travis to put it on his Instagram. Can you imagine if your partner did that? That's so funny. <laughs> it's one thing to like have it and have like a funny little secret or whatever but then to like put on instagram be like this is what my partner's orgasm was like i'd be like "Mm, you don't have to share that but you do you and like also it probably wouldn't like it's not gonna smell like her orgasm right i can imagine it's like whoever they whoever made this scent right courtney and travis are like yeah just put some like vanilla in there and like and like pomegranate or whatever so that's quite funny and i like it i'm not against it it's definitely not going to be sold <laughs> in Goop, right? No. <laughs> Actually, I hope not. wouldn't put the past Gwyneth, but <laughs> we'll see. Also, big news last week was, of course, the Brits. Everyone was serving mm-hmm. so many looks. I'm obsessed. Did you have a favorite? I think Dua Lipa. Mm. Dua Lipa's dress was amazing. And, of course, the Heim girls. I love everything they do. Oh, and so sweet that, like, the little mixed girls, like, two of them are pregnant. They announced oh. their pregnancies, like, a few days before. So that was very sweet to see them all dressed up and pregnant. <laughs> All dressed up and pregnant. Incredible. I have to say that, oh, God, basic answer, but uh, Harry's 70s suit, flares, mm. oof. It, it, it's just a no-brainer. It's just gorgeous. I love that. But I would say Rina Soyama, who's a British mm. singer. Oh, my God, she had this beautiful purple dress situation happening and she just looked divine. So that was also a standout for me. It's so funny because, like, in true Maggie fashion, award season, she just doesn't get it. It's, I literally know nothing about the Brits. I'm like, yeah, it's for music. And then that's all. I don't even know what the awards are, but I know there were some um, like great performances and great outfits, but yeah, I'm so in the dark. It's just the the British Music Awards. Okay. So it's like our ARIA Awards, but okay. for Britain. Yeah, and then sense. they don't have to, like, I think with ARIA Awards, they just choose Australian people. Right. But with this, it could be anyone like... Taylor Swift, one global icon, Billie Eilish, one international female solo. So there's different categories, but then like the winners of the, for example, British single, British female, obviously a British. Mm. Little Mix, one British group. Haim, also one international group. Arlo Parks, yes. who we both love and who you interviewed for Fashion Journal. Mm. She won Breakthrough Artist. So well deserved. Uh, so well deserved. Amazing album. And Dua Lipa took two home with the British female solo artist and British album of the year. 
And of course, our BB Harry Styles won for Watermelon Sugar, just like he won the Grammy for that single. So he's doing very well off the back of Watermelon Sugar. Wow. Incredible. I a highlight for me was Taylor Swift's speech. I thought it was very heartwarming and encouraging. Did you hear it? No, I didn't. Please tell me about it. I saw photos of her. <laughs> Does that count? Photos of her. Yeah, she also it? looked amazing. <laughs> People were also saying like her, she looked like she was from the red era and the 1989 era, like all at once on that night. So people are like looking for the Easter eggs of like, what's she going to re-record next? So that was sweet. Mm. I'll read a little bit out now of some highlights from her speech. I want to thank my friends and family who know exactly who they are, whose opinion of me never changed whether my stock was up or down. If there's one thing that I've learned, it's that you have to look around every day and take note of the people who have always believed in you and never stop appreciating them for it. Never take them for granted. I need you to hear me when I say that there is no career path that comes free of negativity. If you're being met with resistance, that probably means that you're doing something new. If you're experiencing turbulence or pressure, that probably means you're rising. And there might be times when you put your whole heart and soul into something and it's met with cynicism or skepticism. You cannot let that crush you. You have to let it fuel you because we live in a world where anyone has the right to say anything that they want about you at any time. But just please remember that you have the right to prove them wrong. That's awesome. So sweet. She's so good. There is a part of me that um, for the second last part where it's like, if you're being met with the resistance, you're doing something right, keep pushing. I'm just like... Okay, we can cut this out. We don't have to talk about it. But it's like I keep thinking about like extremist right-wing people being like, yeah, like pushing their conspiracy theories. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, if you're doing good in the world, this applies to you. But if you're not, just don't listen. Yeah. But no, I'm just talking about career path, I guess. Yeah. So. I love Maybe. it. Yeah. But interesting take. Pete Evans, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> listening True. to this? Nah, don't worry. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, that was really lovely anyway. A few months ago, I recommended an article on Ellen DeGeneres and the way that Ellen show was falling apart around her. And this week it was announced that next year's season would be the last for her talk show. So after 19 seasons and over 3,000 episodes, Ellen is going off air. Did this surprise you when you heard the news? No, I wasn't surprised at all. And I also wasn't surprised how she's making herself the victim in this Mm. situation when people are talking about it she's like i couldn't go on any longer like i was attacked you know she's very much like getting it's a very defensive i read an article as well that said she didn't like quit her fans fired her like the views fired her because the views were going down so much yeah right i love that line um i did read a good article in the sydney morning herald that kind of broke down the breakdown of the Ellen show but less so about the like her bad behavior and toxic workplace that she like cultivated but also just the numbers that were associated with it so the September premiere of the latest season was down 37 percent compared to a year ago and I know it's wild and actually um that number in comparison just because of COVID most other talk shows were experiencing like a 17 18 percent drop but Mm. that hers was like double more than double um and of course there's been a massive drop in sponsorships as well after her allegations and just like the gross workplace that we've we've started to hear about oh we should also clarify for anyone who hasn't heard the news basically a bunch of ellen's staff came out 
last year during COVID and said that the work environment was incredibly toxic. There was bullying going on. They didn't feel safe. And they found it very hypocritical because Ellen is the be kind woman. And, Mm. you know, her show's all about making the world a better place. But behind the scenes, it was very hierarchical. And apparently she was just an awful boss to have. So Mm. especially during COVID, like people were talking a lot about workers' rights and it just got to a point where they kind of banded together and spoke out against her. Yeah, and I read this really good piece in The Guardian by Adrian Horton and it's called The End of Ellen's Show Signifies How Celebrity Culture Has Shifted, which kind of just talks about what we're, we've been talking about and I think especially last year, like the fall of the girl boss empires mm. um, was so prevalent. We saw so many places like The Wing, Glossier, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like almost every single episode, there was a new thing. Um, so I do want to read a little bit from this piece. The generous hinged her reputation on the motto, Be Kind, a bland niceness that attracted nearly every A-lister to her couch at least once and offered a sheen of winsome celebrity relatability. The nicest brand has splattered out following a BuzzFeed expose into their alleged sexual harassment, racial insensitivity and bullying behind the scenes, as well as general impatience with out-of-touch celebrity culture hastened by the pandemic. But the ultimate death knell may have been simply the swiftness of the culture blazing past Ellen's namesake brand of earnest niceness, especially if said brand seemed increasingly strained and inauthentic. With each dent in the show's facade, her plea to be kind was revealed to be not so much bland as forced and phony, a kiss of death in a time with increasingly little audience patience for celebrity acts that aren't the least bit self-aware or in on the bit. Once in the forefront, Ellen found herself struggling to catch up. That's such a good article and such a good way to put it. She did an interview with a talk show host from Today, America, talking about the end of Ellen. She said, I don't understand where all of this toxic workplace was coming from. Every guest who came on the show had so much fun and loved (laughs) their time. And then... It's like we no one was talking about the guests not having a good time, although guests have come out and said that they felt uncomfortable and they left without like with not having a good feeling. A handful said that. I'm talking about the workplace, not the people who come on and get $1,000, you know. Mm. So do you think that this is her bad behaviour being held accountable or do you think people, or you could say both, Do you think people are also just sick and tired of the talk show format in general, but then also in the COVID era, these celebrities coming on and complaining that they have to quarantine in their massive house? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like it's a prison. Um, It's definitely a bit of both, I think. Um, For instance, Ellen's target demographic and her main listenership were millennial women, and we are not really that category. So I think it is almost just like people almost like a decade older than us who were the ones watching talk show hosts Mm. um myself in particular I really don't really watch stuff like this it never really did appeal to me to begin with but I do think just after the past year and having these conversations like be revealed to us it just further puts us off it's like okay we try to support Um, creatives we like with our dollars but also our views and how Mm. we how we like what we consume so it's like why would we spend our energy and time on someone like this when there are so many other talented people out there as well 
Mm. I remember watching Ellen when I was in school, so like the early 2010s, mm. and like if you're off sick or whatever. And I always found it really heartwarming and oh, nice. especially the segments where there were nice guests on, people who have been through something hard and, you know, Ellen's helping them out. But when you know what we know now about her and the fact that she hung out with George W. Bush, like a literal war criminal, and, you know, she was kind of justifying that behavior and all these things, it makes you think like, well, I don't want to support that and it makes it feel more fake. Oh, yeah. So just to end on the same um, interview with the Today Show host, they she kind of made a joke about it, but I found it very interesting because she's basically just destroyed like 19 years worth of like fan loyalty. So she's having this interview with a fellow talk show host and the woman says, your motto is be kind. If you could go back and change that kind of tagline, what would it be? And she was like, oh, I wouldn't have be kind. Like it just got taken out of, it just got taken out of hand and people ran with that. And it's so easy to attack the be kind woman because it's like such a high standard. And then she says, okay, what would your motto be now? And she says, Ellen says, go fuck yourselves. Oh like that would God, be her motto, actually- go fuck yourselves. And yeah. And like, obviously she's saying it in jest as a joke, like she laughs afterwards and stuff, but I'm just like, Oh my God, for like all the fans, like people who still love her or people who have supported her for years, like two decades, being like, go fuck yourselves. Like, I feel like it's so bitter mm. and such like an awful tone to end the show on. I did like the, there was a little part in the um, Guardian piece that I just read out and the writer did kind of point out, I'll just actually read out the line because I liked it. Imagine what that ubiquity of surface niceness does to your brain. And I think, you know, after filming 3,000 episodes and being in the public limelight for decades, it would be hard to just like keep up that facade of shallow niceness, as they also said. It's quite the surface level. And do you know when it's like just being fake nice all the time almost or having mm. to have that presence and that's what you're known for? It kind of just like rids you of what it is like to be a human. Not, and yeah, I'm saying this not to excuse her actions at all, but, um, I think it's hard to have her position as well. Mm. No, I agree with that. But also I feel like you can have a base level of niceness to people, like just be polite to people. Like you heard all these horror stories Mm. of people not being allowed to look her in the eyes and all this. And I understand she'd have a massive staff of hundreds of people. People don't expect you to be best friends with everyone, but at least like look people in the eye and give them a smile if you're the be kind woman, you know. Mm. Who knows what Ellen will be doing next. It'll be interesting to see. So farewell at The Ellen Show. On Tuesday, Instagram unveiled a new feature which allows users to display their gender pronouns in their bio. It's a move that I think has seen mostly positive reactions, but there's definitely been some negative feedback as well. Yes, I was so happy to see this because I already had them in my like little bio and it was nice to free up some space and just have them next to my name. I also thought it was interesting that they only had she, her, he, him, they, them. Oh, and they have the Z as well, which I thought was good because on TikTok, um, I saw a funny video of like, I don't know, this, they were like the straight men trying to like make a joke of pronouns and putting in like random words and it wouldn't let them like trying to make a joke out of it because there's only the certain ones you can have. So I thought that was good. Uh, yeah, I saw that too. And I think it is good to, so people don't, you know, just abuse this system, but you can like put in an online form or something to suggest new ones or other ones you would mm. like included. So I think normalizing pronouns is like the 
baseline thing we can do, especially as cisgendered people, to help out trans and non-binary people because it just makes it so normal. Like I don't assume anyone's pronouns anymore because you never know what people prefer or what they feel they are. So I think it's really great that people are putting in their email, you know, signatures, Instagram bios. It just makes it very clear. Someone wanted to repost a a picture of mine on their Instagram feed. And even though I present as a woman, I am a woman, I use she, her, um, they still asked me for my pronouns, which I thought was great. And of course I was like, yeah, just she, her, it's fine. And I think... Yeah, we shouldn't assume anything anymore and we should give people the opportunity to clarify themselves. And this is a great tool to just make that easy. Yeah, um, I think it's an interesting one because uh, like I'm actively trying to work on this as well. So for instance, I just think um, it's just so ingrained in our culture. So for instance, uh, sometimes in public I'd be like, oh, I love that girl's outfit. And I'd be like, oh, wait. Like, I love their outfit. Like, I love that person in, like, the pink coats outfit and things like that. I'm still definitely catching, like, catching myself on. Um, I think when I'm talking to someone, I will, like, try not to assume someone's pronouns, but it can just seep into our everyday life. Um, and I do think this is even, like, a great conversation starter about having Instagram bios. And a lot of people, like, I've had a few conversations with people being like, well, like if you're cis, why do you need it? And it is just about normalizing the use of pronouns that you want, mm. because in actual fact, we do have pronouns we would like. I read a good post that's like, even if you're cisgendered, um, you do have pronouns that you'd like to be used. True. I think we've had this conversation before. I have a feeling, not this exact one, but I have a feeling we were talking about using the term preferred pronouns. And I just said it, which pronouns would you prefer? But it's so true. Like, I don't prefer being she, her. I am she, her. Mm. Like if someone said he, him to me, I'd be really like, oh, you know, mm. I don't I don't prefer that. I am that. Yeah. So that's important. Mm. But, of course, for gender-diverse communities, um, there is still fear and there is still threat of danger with using features like this. Um, I read another great piece in The Guardian. This one was by Haran Walker and it was called Instagram's pronouns feature is fine, but it won't stop anti-trans abuse. I'm going to read out a little bit now. Speaking from experience, if someone's going to harass a trans person online, they probably won't bother to make sure they're not misgendering the target of the hateful vitriol and being on the receiving end of that ire. I don't really care so much the person harassing me has my pronouns straight. That's why I'm personally way more into some recent anti-harassment tools that Instagram rolled out in April than I am this new pronoun feature. Like the feature that lets you block someone in perpetuity, no matter how many accounts they create, Now, if only Instagram would do something about all the trans sex workers whose accounts it shadow bans and deletes without warning for allegedly violating adult content policies. If the app wants to improve trans users' experiences, perhaps it should start there. That is such a good article. And I think it's so important in these conversations to listen to so many different diverse voices. And these things aren't black and white. I've heard some other opinions from people saying that they felt Um, excluded because there wasn't this whole range of pronouns but you know it's a stepping stone and Instagram is a mainstream platform and I think this is really great at just making it more normalized so of course we'll share that article in our show notes if you'd like to read it as well 
Now, you and I obviously care a lot about our everyday actions that can make a difference on the planet. Yeah, we love bringing our keep cups for our morning coffees or choosing to shop secondhand when we can. But one thing I've also been focusing on more over the last year is making my period care more sustainable too. Me too. And that's why for this episode, we're partnering with Australian period care brand Scarlet. While there are a handful of brands out there making periods sustainable, Scarlet is creating fun and modern products that look just as good on your bathroom shelf as they do stashed away in your bathroom drawer. Some of our followers may have seen that I've spoken about Scarlet on my Instagram when I tried their waste-free, worry-free period briefs, which are so comfy and so cute and make me feel protected when I'm bleeding. And I've been using their 100% medical grade silicon period cup for the last few months and found it to be super flexible and easy to use, unlike some other period cups out there. So to learn more about Scarlet, head to their Instagram at wearescarlet or find their website scarletperiod.com in our show notes. It's the new period brand for a new kind of period. So while last week we spoke about Billie Eilish's British Vogue cover, this week we're going to use them again and talk about British Vogue's beauty tips video for dewy skin. It featured 25-year-old US singer and former Disney actor Dove Cameron. While she looked amazing and was giving her tips, a lot of the comments were talking about the fact that she's had a lot of work done. For instance, quote, She's beautiful, but it's important to remember that she's gotten work done on her face and so have 90% of all celebrities. Expensive treatments, implants, and skincare will have good results, so don't compare yourself to these people. Other comments read, She's had a lot of work done at a young age. It's quite sad, actually, and says a lot about the industry she's in. Or another read, Like her eyes have been lifted to the heavens and this gives the woke look. This seriously affects young minds. Sorry, I don't even know what that means, but. (laughs) And then they were also talking about how this isn't a good role model for young people. I believe the first comment has a lot of merit in that it does upset me a little bit, especially someone who struggles with acne um, and having quote unquote bad skin or whatever. Um, it does upset me when you do see celebrities being like, I just use this one mm. product and, or like Kendall Jennifer um, proactive or whatever. Like I'll use one product and my acne's gone. It's like, I've written about this before and how it actually costs so much money to have good skin and to have these extractions and to have the, you know, treatments and all this stuff. Um, so I think it is important to remember that when you're comparing yourself to a celebrity on British Vogue, but at the same time, why are we putting these young women on pedestals and making them role models for our children? I think that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, I always find topics like this so tricky because I'm always on the flip side of like, okay, surgery is like a woman's choice or a person's choice. They can decide whether they get it or not. And it's, again, we've talked about this um, with our conversation with Eve Blake last week when we're talking about, well, we don't put male celebrities on this pedestal and they're not role models. So why are women, but especially young women, I think because they are young, we're like, oh, they are going to influence our youth. We don't almost put that same pressure on adult, like older women, adult, more adult women, if you know what I mean. So she's 25 years old and she has to carry this burden. Whereas if someone is a decade, a few 35. De- yeah, 35, yeah. 45, whatever, I feel like it's just the norm almost. I think maybe people are just quite um, 
put off or kind of scared that, yeah, she's been having surgery since she was a teenager, um, which is kind of frightening in a sense of um, not frightening, sorry, which is which is, I think, just foreign to a lot of people, including myself. Um, but, you know, that's her choice and she didn't ask to be a role model for people. This also blends into a Vogue US article by Gillian Sagansky and it interviews the internet star Emma Chamberlain. I'm you a are a big Emma, Emma Chamberlain. You go, you go. <laughs> so you are a big Emma Chamberlain fan. What did you think of this article? Yes, I'm such a big fan. I'm actually writing an article about her at the moment. Um, no interview attached, just me, you know, talking about her. <laughs> um, but anyway, this chat was very much a candid, candid interview about mental health and burnout, very much um, her opening up about things that she hadn't ever discussed publicly before. Mm. But kind of what interested me the most was her discussion about vulnerability so for those who don't know mi is a youtuber super cool <laughs> i just love her <laughs> so cool so basically cool. people love her because she's like so relatable and so funny and so down to earth and you know she'll show us like her acne or she'll be like i just had diarrhea or whatever it is <laughs> don't want to conflate the two I'm so sorry but she is very vulnerable on character on camera that's what a lot of people assume so the interviewer Jillian asked this question it's interesting how much perfectionism came up as your primary source of anxiety everyone loves you because of your vulnerability and imperfection we love you because you're real it's okay that wasn't a question but to that Emma replied that's a great point and it's interesting because perfection to me is not what it would be for someone else right Perfection for others might be never having a zit and a perfectly symmetrical face or whatever the fuck. But for me, it's actually more of a moral perfection. So never ha- You rolled your eyes just then. But anyway, let me finish this and then we can talk. No, I was nodding. Like I was agreeing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like oh. Anyway, um, anyway, moral perfection. So never having a moment of pettiness, never having a moment of resentment. I want to believe that I've never wronged anybody, that I've never hurt anyone's feelings. Nowadays, I'm so careful about how I am with others, but you know, you can't control everything that you've ever done. I'm putting so much pressure on myself to only have a positive impact on the world. And that may be great, but it's made me isolate myself because I have this phobia of accidentally hurting others. It haunts me, but I'm learning to realize that you can't do good either if you don't talk to people out of fear that you're going to hurt them. It's so bizarre. Mm, this was a very interesting interview. Like it also yeah, ties to the Dove Cameron thing of being a role model because one quote that really stood out to me was talking about panic attacks. The interviewer is asking what ignites the panic attacks and Emma says, God, I have this massive responsibility. Why the fuck am I here? Why am I the one doing this? There's so many people watching me and I have this really severe issue where I'm constantly obsessed with perfection and being on the internet has made that a lot more prominent in my life. So I, do you feel that way about being on the internet? <laughs> Me versus Emma's Emma's 10 million Instagram followers. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's such a burden. But no, um, I do. I, I, <laughs> I, 
But in all actuality, like, yeah, I definitely think about it a lot, especially um, since my platform has grown a lot since the start of last year. I do feel myself, I mean, it's so funny when I say I feel myself posting less and thinking about what I post. But then if you look at my story, there's like always like 20 odd things on there. And for sure, I think I used to be quite flippant with what I post in my stories, whether that's like educational resources or my opinion on something. And now I try to step back and kind of educate myself and take time in that learning process without having to feel like I have to like tell others about this new thing I found. Or even a lot of the time people are like, um, oh, like slow fashion, you know so much about sustainability. And I'm like, no. I really don't like I really don't and I'm trying to be open with that fact and I think that's almost like a get out of jail free card for me because I'm like oh but I'm no expert so it's okay if I don't know this that was a massive tangent no that's a good point and back to the article I totally get where she's coming from around the moral perfectionism versus like what what well what is out of perfectionism but like worrying about your skin or whatever I'm much more concerned with being trying to be perfect in like my career or the way I treat people, the way I treat my friends. Like I hold myself to a really high standard. So I totally get where she's coming from with that. But yeah, interesting that these two young women were both in mm. vogue this week and both being held to quite a high standard just because they're like young, successful women. Recommendation time. What have you been watching, reading, loving, listening to this week, Mags? I've got a bit of a highbrow recommendation, a step up from my typical like Netflix rom-com. Not bagging that, Marvel. that's what I love. But I am recommending Nomadland. Woohoo! Nomadland, of course, is a 2020 American drama film, which is based on the 2017 nonfiction book Nomadland, which was by Jessica Bruder. So Nomadland is written, edited, produced, and directed by Chloe Zhao, for which she won an Oscar for Best Director this year. Incredible. First Asian woman to ever win this and only the second woman to have ever won this award. Wild. Yeah, I know. Um, so as a little blurb, because I actually didn't know what it was about really um, before I watched it. Did you not know either? No, I don't know. I kind of like not knowing what a movie's about before I watch it, but I just like read a one-liner, mm. which was like this, so it doesn't give too much away, don't worry. But um, it's about a woman in her 60s who, after losing everything in the Great Recession, embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. It stars Frances McDormand, who um, also co-produced the film. It was really cool. I didn't know this, but she actually kind of scouted Chloe Zhao to be the director so she kind of chose her um, to direct this and oh my god it was incredible what really stood out to me were the performances of course Frances is an amazing actress um, but a lot of the other cast are non-actors so Chloe often works with like real life people in her movies so it was so funny because I forgot, like I knew this, but I forgot it when I was watching it. And I was just like, oh my God, this casting is incredible. Like these people feel so real and lo and behold, they are. So that was really beautiful to watch. It's quite like a slow moving, inspirational film, um, very visually beautiful. It's like set in the American desert, but even though it is quite slow place, it's led by so much emotion and it's driven by the people. So it is 
really engaging and you know it's it just captivates you the whole time so yeah that's um basically it i also did want to mention that chloe is also making a marvel movie which i totally didn't know it is called eternals and it will be marvel's first gay superhero and its first deaf one as well that's amazing that's so cool that's so cool right wow i love that i was like <laughs> i was like saying oh this is highbrow it's not marvel and then she's also making marvel Lol. just shows that the duality of people yes the duality of man that movie sounds really good i had a vague idea what it was about i knew it was a woman walking through the american desert but i didn't really know the plot so what did you watch it on oh it's yeah yeah good question it's on disney plus but you can also watch it in cinemas um at least in australia so either or i'd check it out it's really it's really great and jasmine what did you read consume watch blah 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 this week I read an article for Refinery29 called The Word Chuggy is Already Chuggy by Michelle Santiago Cortez. So I was ranting about this term chuggy on my Instagram the other day and talking about how it just feels like sometimes women can't enjoy anything. And this article kind of talks about that as well. So if you weren't aware, chuggy is started going viral after TikTok and it's basically the opposite of trendy. So anything that's like behind the trends is chuggy. It's so wide ranging, Mm. but it kind of includes like the live, laugh, love signs or saying the word doggo, moustache accessories, things like that. So things that were basically that older millennials enjoy. Apparently it was first introduced to TikTok at the end of March, but then it didn't generate much buzz until the New York Times read about it recently. And all the videos I've seen on TikTok are like people making fun of, yeah, of women and of things that women enjoy. So I really like the way this article broke it down. I'll just read a little bit of a quote out here. Over the past few days, trend reporting TikTok accounts have introduced thousands to what some call a Gen Z word, reigniting the truly exhausting Gen Z versus millennial showdowns from earlier this year and prompting counter TikToks defending Chevron and Starbucks like their side partings and skinny jeans. Chuggy is becoming as widespread as the creators intended, but its use is mostly being fueled by backlash. While some see chuggy as a value-neutral word that describes the married-at-twenty aesthetic, others see it as a reductive, dismissive, or even offensive grouping of people for simply liking what they like. For every person like Trisha Paytas that proudly calls themselves a chug, there is someone who cries misogyny or classism. And that's me crying misogyny and classism. I just think it's so silly (laughs) having all these trends that just make people feel bad. It's also so wasteful. Like if you still like Chevron pants and they're in your closet from 2013, you wear them. Like to follow these trends and the micro trends that we spoke about a few episodes ago, it must be so tiring. It is so tiring, I think. But a lot of TikToks have also said that this also is like a media showdown. Like media sometimes like grabs onto these trends when they're not really trending and makes it into mm. a bigger thing. So if you're interested in the chuggy trend, I'd recommend that. It'll be in the show notes. Awesome. That's such a good read. I love the sound of that. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. 
Thanks again to Period Care Brand Scarlet for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget to find and follow their Instagram account at We Are Scarlet. That's going to be linked in our show notes as well. And maybe try out some of their period products for yourself. Thank you for listening and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye. Bye.